Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. I told you I was going on vacation, but I told you I would have a show for you today, but it would be late. All of those things true. Went on vacation. Here's your show. And yes, it is later in the evening. 
I tell you one thing, man. Vacation sometimes will wear you out. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you get so keyed up and you're thinking, man, I just want to get away from all what, get in some new surroundings, kind of go eat in some different places, maybe some things I don't have regularly. Did all that. And, you know, last night was the last night. So I wanted to pack in everything I could get, you know, you know, sit up, visit, talk into the wee hours of the night. Next thing you know, I'm in the bed and it's like 2 o'clock. And then my room was on the sunrise side of the condo and uh, I was up at 6.30. So I got about four hours and then uh, it was almost forever getting out of Baldwin County, Alabama today. Makes me think, you know what, I don't want to go down there for Memorial Day weekend. I think I'll go another weekend next time. But I'll spend a lot of time down there on the Gulf Coast, man, I'll tell you. It's always a great time. A lot of people down there. And people always say, well, Steve, you know, what about social distancing? I really thought people did pretty good. Uh, we were on one of those condos that was kind of you know, kind of removed from some of the others. And so our beach wasn't as crowded as perhaps some other. I've seen some pictures out there of some you know beaches in Florida that have been a little bit crowded. But uh, not so at Orange Beach. It was good. I mean, it was. It was a good time to go. Wasn't busy. It was big. It got busier as the weekend went along. It was busy leaving, but uh, but nevertheless, I thought people did pretty good. People kind of kept their distance. You know, people kind of waved. You know, and said hello that way. But you didn't have a lot of people kind of coming up and want to shake hands. There was a little bit of that, but uh, they give them the old fist bump. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a different day and time. But it was good to have a little bit of normalcy and and. Uh, it's always good to get away, but, man, it's good to get back. I, you know, I'm a bit of a workaholic, and there are some people in my family that say, you know what, we need to get you out of the house a little more, but I'm, I'm kind of content doing this. You know, I'm kind of content covering ball games and going to press conferences and writing books and interviewing players and coaches and that sort of stuff. I, you know, it's what I enjoy doing. That, listen to a little rock and roll, man, I'm, I'm good. But it's good to get out and go make some memories with the fam. You know what I'm saying? Can't work all the time. Some sad news, though, when we were down at Orange Beach, there was, uh, there was a drowning. And uh, a trio of friends, I guess, got you know, hemmed up in a, in a rip current. Next thing you know, uh, there's one lady that was rescued. She was face down in the water, and she's in critical condition. And as of recording this show, last time I checked about an hour ago, the, uh, the two young men, uh, their body's not been recovered. Not yet. It's very rough. It's a red flag up today. It's rough. And that's the thing, too. You think about these uh, these little excursions. You know, it's a chance to get some rest and relaxation and make some memories and just have a good time. You never think somebody's not coming home. It does. It breaks your heart. It really does. It does for me, anyway. A lot of people may think I'm just some bitter, jaded person, and that's probably true on some days. But uh, that kind of stuff sticks with me, you know, because i got kids out there. And I say they're kids. They're, they're you know... Young adults now, but still, so were these people that passed away. So remember them in your thoughts and prayers. And be cautious and mindful when you go out there. Maybe Google what to do if you get into a rip current. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Excited to have them, I tell you, and excited that we're going to be able to go back and eat there. They'll still do curbside service for you. There's a lot of people out there that say, you know what, Steve, I'm not ready to go in a restaurant yet. I'm not ready to go on vacation. I'm really kind of maxed out what I'm willing to do right now. And so curbside service is the way for, for me. That, that's going to continue indefinitely. That, that service is not going away. 
So go to eatwithus.com and you can place your order and go down and pick it up or you can call them, whatever you'd like to do. They're going to serve you pretty much at your comfort level. So if you, if you want to go in and, and eat, you can do that. You want to go in and pick it up, you can do that too. You, you, know, you can have curbside service. Whatever you're comfortable with, they're going to make it happen. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive here in Stark, Vegas and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Mississippi, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into some other things here right out of the gate. Got a lot to talk about. The, uh, the, the most important news of the day, the vote happened on Friday with the SEC schools electing to go kind of a compromise. You remember the kind of the date everybody was thinking was June 1st or June 15th. June 1st kind of was in concert with the NCAA decision to open up facilities on June 1st. Phil Fulmer, kind of the elder statesman in the conference, said, hey, let's do June 15th. So they kind of compromised to go June 8th. Now, what you should expect is what we kind of mentioned on Friday, strength and conditioning to come back first to kind of get those guys up and running. Then we'll have coaches come back. I have been in contact with some of your coaches. They are not aware of what day they're coming back yet. There is going to be a meeting, an athletic department-wide meeting this week, probably a series of meetings to kind of prepare people and make some decisions and get those report dates. And so as we get those, we'll share them with you here on the show. And, of course, over at jeanspage.com, the – Mississippi State Sports Affiliate for 247 Sports. Uh, you can go check us out over there. And so as we get that, we'll relay that information. There were some people, as the vote went out on Friday, some people were just kind of, I guess, waiting for the schools to react. And you know, they suggested that State was somehow slow responding. State and Miss both pretty quick, kind of letting everybody know what their plans were. And so another important step. I think it's important for us to look at this, too. There's, there's two things, or really, I guess, three things we've got to talk about. Number one is everything is trending positively right now. But let's not get loose and fast with the lessons that we've learned so far and just think, well, you know, life is kind of back to normal. That's not the case. There are still some people that are still testing positive for this. There are people that are still dying. And I guess they have learned a lot about this disease. They've learned a lot about how to treat it. They're still working towards a vaccine. So let's not just throw caution to the wind and just kind of leave it off a chance and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on back up there and do what I want to do. And there are a lot of people right now that listen to the show saying, well, I'm all, I've never stopped. I'm still doing what I've always done. Certainly you're right. There are going to be some other people that are going to be like, hey, you know, look, Steve, there's a second wave happening. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that were wrong the first time. They're now saying, hey, listen, there's going to be another wave of this thing. And you know what? There may be. But let's say, for an example, let's say we had a pause. You know, let, let's say something happens and all of a sudden we have to hit the reset button here. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to wash out football either. I say that to say this. is There's going to be a little ebb and flow between now and the time that we play a football game. And there are some people out there that, um, you know, they're going to focus on what kind of fits their narrative. You know what I'm saying? There's some people out there, you can't convince them of anything that doesn't fit what they already believe. And so there are some people out there that have been saying for months that we're not going to play football. And so anything that ever happens, if there's ever, you know, let's say there's an administrator or a talking head or anybody like that that mentions the possibility of not playing football, well, then they go write an article about it. And then there are other people that they hear something that says, hey, we are going to play football, and they go write an article about that. But it seems to me that the people that don't expect us to play or don't want us to play, 
they're a little more selective in the quotes that they choose to get the kind of frame of story around. And so I think that's rather interesting. I think there's a lot of people. I think that's what this is kind of exposed. A lot of people that kind of have an agenda when it comes to how they report things. You know, it kind of it is what it is. I mean, I can't make it any better or any worse than it is. You know, either we're going to play or we're not. I have always said that I expect us to play. I was a little disappointed we, we canceled spring sports when we did. You know, I don't know if we couldn't have managed an SEC tournament and maybe just let all 14 teams play and go figure this thing out. But it is what it is. It's behind us now. But, you know, either we're going to play or we're not going to play, and neither one of those things is going to happen based on anything that I say are right or what anybody else says are right. You know, the USA Today can run an article tomorrow and says, you know what, we're not playing. And that may be their editorial, but that, 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 that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at the truck stop. It's just one of those deals where a lot of people that kind of hang on to that kind of stuff. I know some people have kind of labeled it fear porn. Probably some truth in some of that. So if there is a setback, if there is, you know, because I'm going to go ahead and let, let get you ready for this. There is going to be somebody connected to college football that is going to test positive for the COVID-19 virus between now and opening day. That's going to happen. They may not be sick, but they're going to test positive. And then there's going to be these people they won't tell you that they're asymptomatic. They won't tell you that uh, they took some, some meds and they were better in a week. All they're going to say is, oh, so much that's a positive. So everybody's got to freak out again. And so be mindful of that. Somebody somewhere, whether it be a coach or a staff or a player, somebody's going to test positive. It's going to happen. And what happens after that is probably going to determine when we start playing football, what kind of precautions are taken. There's tons of contingencies already in place. We read an article in the network here about a week ago. I think the SEC's already put like 25 or so kind of protocols and contingencies in place for all sorts of things. So there are a lot of smart people that are working on this. They're not just kind of waiting, okay, all right, well, let's go. Now, they've already been planning. The SEC athletic directors, SEC presidents, have had regular communication with the league office. And so – they're just kind of waiting for all this to unfold, but at the same time, too, they have made plans no matter what the outcome of the next several weeks are. And I think this next 30 days is going to define a lot for us. If we can get everybody back on campus in June, get everybody working again, and not have some you know, rash of outbreak or whatever of, of other virus issues, then I think we're good. But let's say you get everybody back together, then all of a sudden you got, you know, locker rooms full of people that are testing positive for the COVID-19 virus. There's going to be panic, and rightfully so. So that is something to be mindful of. How they handle that is going to be very, very important. Because there are some people right now, that those that believe that, it's something, you know, that we're all going to be dead in six months, you know, as soon as something like this happens, as soon as there is any kind of negative news, they're going to latch onto that like life itself. They're going to grip that and milk it for all it can because it fits what they want to believe. So be mindful of that. But again, as I've said on this show many times, it is so important to take some personal level of responsibility. Like I read these things all the time, these people on Facebook, oh my gosh, just freaking out. Like you read all these comments on these Facebook articles, and I, I've gotten to the point now where I just want to read Sometimes I'd rather read the comments than the articles because they're more entertaining. Not to mention people writing the articles generally don't know more than you and I do. But, but all that said, 
it's like, well, I can't believe everybody else is out. You know what? If you're not comfortable going out, then stay home. Nobody says you have to go. Nobody says you got to go to the beach or go to Walmart. You can do your shopping over line, online and have Amazon delivered for all I know. You don't have to go. You can stay home. You can wear a mask every day outdoors the rest of your life. That is completely your decision. I'm not going to laugh at you. I think everybody's entitled to make their own decisions, and they rightfully should. It's your life. And you shouldn't make any decisions based on what somebody else may say or do. Do what you think is best. And if that means staying home for football games and watching them on TV, then so be it. I, I hope that we reach a point that we can uh, not have to worry about this sort of thing. But everybody should take some personal responsibility for themselves and say, you know what, I'm accountable for me, and th- this is what I'm comfortable doing, so that's what I'm going to do. For some of you, that means not wearing a mask, and some means it does. Maybe you need to wear a hazmat suit to go to Walmart. I don't know. But do what makes you comfortable. I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big personal liberties guy. I'm a live and let live person, contrary to what some other people may believe. All right, so uh, let's get into a couple other things. Uh, You know, Jarian Jones uh, made it official. Uh, he is transferring to Ole Miss and then shares with our Paul Jones that he's actually already signed. So, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any wiggle room there. And we'll take him at his word there that he's already signed the paperwork to go to Ole Miss. And so uh, that closes a chapter in this story. Don't think that story's over. But that chapter is over. One thing that I will say about all of that uh, is, and we've, we've talked about it on the show many times, I don't, I don't know what we gain by going out there and, and uh, you know, people tweeting at Jari and Jones and that sort of stuff, he's gone. And if he's already signed, I mean, it's, you know, this whole good written stuff, and I don't see it, man. I just, you know, I don't agree with the kid's decision, but it's his decision to make. That's what we just talked about. He's the one that has to live with those consequences. He does. He's the one that has to live with the decision. And so we'll move on. We're still going to play football, but – Again, there are still some details of the situation to unfold, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Now, I expect Fabian Lovett to announce for Ole Miss sometime very soon. Uh, I, I don't know if he did it over the weekend. I don't believe he did, but I expect it any time now. And it's been something that's been in, in the works, I guess, for a couple of weeks. For a couple of weeks now, I've been here in Nights. Uh, he's going to end up going to Ole Miss. And so, but I don't think the situations are related. Yes, both of these guys are leaving Mississippi State and expected to enroll at Ole Miss. But I really think that's kind of where the similarities end. You know, we had the whole discussion about Fabian Lovett and the, the tweet and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he acted right away. And uh, I, I just believe it's one of those things with the coaching change. You know, there's some, you know, you go back and look at some of those pictures of midnight maneuvers and there's some people and there's some people that were awfully pretty in pink. And so, um, you know, I say that to, to say this. Sometimes when you have a coaching change, the culture shock – that is accompanied as part of the culture change leads some people to think, you know what, it's in for me. It's not necessarily a personal thing. You know, there are some people that this is, hey, this is what I'm willing to do. This is how hard I'm willing to work. And so they may say, you know what, I, I think that I can get on the field here, somewhere else, a little bit better, a little quicker. And maybe I don't have to do some of this stuff. Maybe I don't have to go to the Leech Beach. Maybe I don't. And so those are the things you look at. Everybody's got to decide what their buy-in is. Everybody. 
Am I willing to do what it takes to be great? Now, when you look at what Mike Leach has done, do you really think Mike Leach is going to get here and then we're going to teach him something about football? You know what I'm saying? It's like, do you think our players are going to teach him something about football? Do you think the fans are going to teach Mike Leach something about football? No, you're not. Mike Leach is going to do things the way that he's always done. He's going to get the results he's always gotten. And, uh, you know, we, I firmly believe that he's going to do a great job here at Mississippi State. And there are going to be some people that say, you know what, I don't like the way he does things. You know, I'm a player. And, uh, you know, listen, there's some of these drills that we do and some of the demands they have on us. You know, it's just not for me. So I'm going to leave. And that's part of the deal. And we've, I have said on this show from the outset, from the day that Mike Leach was hired, that there was going to be attrition. You go back and look at what happened to Washington State at Texas Tech. There's always attrition. There's actually been less attrition than I expected. And I think that's a byproduct of the fact that we haven't had spring practice. I think had we had spring practice and those guys fully appreciated, you know, the actual buy-in they were going to have to make, I think there's some guys who would say, you know what, the price is just too high. I'm going to go somewhere else. I think there would have been some other guys that would have been weeded out. I think there are some guys, and I'll just say it, it's my show, I think there are some guys that really want to be coddled a little bit. There's some guys that don't really want to be pushed. I think the great athletes, I think the, the champions of the sport, whether it be football, baseball, whatever, those guys want to be held accountable. They want the team to be held accountable. They want to be pushed. And then some people are going to decide, you know what, I, I'm good enough on my own. I don't need to be pushed that hard. I don't want to be coached that hard. And so I think had you had spring practice, I think you would probably have closer to 10 transfers by now. But you haven't had it, so – and people, the first thing that everybody always says after a transfer, well, Steve, we're going to have any more. You know what? I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have any more. And, you know, I, I didn't, a week ago, we didn't expect Jari and Jones to be an issue. We didn't find out about Jari and considering a transfer until Monday. And then by Tuesday, you know, I confirmed that he was going to go in the portal. I write the story. We report that. And then everything kind of exploded on Wednesday. He officially entered the transfer portal. So in less than a week's time, he's gone from, at least publicly, and with back channel chatter, chatter. in less than a week's time, he went from thinking about transferring to Ole Miss less than a week. And so when you say, well, Steve, are there any more? I know what people are really saying. They want to be reassured that, okay, this is behind us. You know, I believe that it is, but at the same time, too, I'm not aware of anything. I'm not. A, there's nothing. I'm not holding back on you. There's not anybody else out there that I'm thinking. Okay, I'm worried about this kid. You know, if you read the message boards and social media, there's some people that'll have you convinced the whole team is fixing to hit the transfer portal. It goes back to that whole fear porn thing. And there are a lot of people that want to make you think they know something. They're just guessing. So I don't know. But I'm not aware of anything right now that you look at and say, well, this is a real problem for Mississippi State. Could something bubble up tomorrow? Absolutely. But I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, John Cohen and those guys are doing what they're doing to protect Mississippi State. You know, you got to get kids back on campus. You got to keep your coaches in contact with them. And I understand most of your coaches are, are having Zoom, Zoom calls like every other day. And they're still in contact with their kids every day by text or social media or phone calls, whatever. You know, so it's not like somebody's just sitting around. You know, and, and for those of you that don't know, most of your players, almost all of your players, are in Starkville. Even some of the guys that transferred. 
are still in Starkville because they haven't reported to their new location yet. They've got an apartment here or whatever, and some of them are still working out with your players because it's a voluntary workout. It's not a Mississippi State th- deal. And so, and that's one of the things, too, you look at this, and there are a lot of people out there that say, oh, well, you know, there's just some sour grapes here. No, no, no. no. Let's go back. You had the Fabian Lovett transfer. I guess that was the first one. And I think you can kind of wrap your mind around it a little bit. Even even most people that don't know the facts. You say, yeah, you know what? That happened. You know, they had this situation with social media. The kid right away was like, I, I, this is really upsetting. And then it went in the portal the next day. I mean, so it was almost an immediate reaction. There's a little more details to all of that. But you, you can kind of make some sense of that. Same thing with Brevin Jones. You know, Brevin Jones is a kid that uh, you know, a lot of people like. Brevin Jones. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I've had anybody really say anything negative about Brevin Jones when he was a recruit or a player here. But he's elected to move on, and I think it's one of the situations too where he said, "You know what? I, I probably need to be in a more traditional type offense, so I can run block and pass block because we're, you know we're going to need these mammoth, woolly mammoth offensive line types." You know what I'm saying? With these wide splits, you're going to have to have guys with great length and, and, and height. Brevin Jones doesn't really have either. And that's not to be critical of him as a player. But you know what? When he hit the portal, some people said, yeah, why are we having another transfer? You know, but, but it was a blip on the radar. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you know, okay, all right, I get it. You know, everybody knew Keaton was leaving. That wasn't, that's not new. I mean, I think, I think the really, the, the, probably the biggest surprise of that is that uh, he found a really quality Power 5 opportunity considering the limited film that we have out there available for people. And so that is great for Keaton. I think, I think I would say, I don't know there's any Mississippi State people that begrudge Keaton Thompson transfer. I think there's some people that think that Joe Moorhead maybe didn't give him a fair shake. I disagree with that. I absolutely disagree with that. But be that as it may, if Keaton's not going to play here, he needs to go somewhere he can. And so him going to Virginia, he's going to have, he's going to have a diploma from Mississippi State University. He will be a Mississippi State alum. And then he'll get a chance to go to UVA, go to grad school, and get a chance to get back on the field somewhere. That's a great situation for him. That is, that is the grad transfer portal done correctly. That's a kid that came in, worked hard, did everything was asked of him, but due to a change in offensive philosophy – he was no longer in the mix. It, we just didn't run a scheme that fit his skill set. And that's not to say that he's not a very talented player because he is. Kid's a gamer, man. I love Keaton. I do. I'm a Keaton Thompson fan. I hope he goes up there and wins the ACC, man. I do. I would love to see Keaton go there and just light it on fire. I'd love to be able to have an ACC team to, to root for. You know what I'm saying? But, again, there wasn't all this angst and people getting upset and that sort of stuff because I think people were genuinely happy for Keaton. The Stuart Reese thing, I mean, it's one of those things, too. You know, if, if we want to talk about, you know, hey, there's something here we probably need to talk about, it's probably it. Probably talk about that and say, hey, listen, kid goes in the portal one day and then he announces the next, you know, less than 24 hours, really. That's one of those things that make you, hmm. But at the end of the day, you look at it and say, hey, how can you begrudge a kid from going home? Not to mention... Think about what he, the, the benefit he's given his family. What is, what is he going to be, three hours from home? Is that right? Three hours? Two and a half, three hours from home? And so now mom and dad doesn't have to pick which ball game to go to? There's no, no longer a decision to make. They're going to watch the Gators. And, and to be fair with you, Stuart Reese, his skill set 
is really more of a road grading run blocker. You know, he's a guy, I don't know that he was going to be able to handle all the pass sets consistently. And again, not to be critical of him, it's just we're asking, we're asking him to do some things that perhaps aren't, aren't his strong suit. He is, he is one of those guys that likes to get in his stance and then get low and drive somebody back. Good run blocker. And so, again, not a great fit anymore. And, you know, he missed some time last year. You know, it, it, what, it's not – I'm not trying to belittle the loss or, or, you know, to downplay the significance of him not being here because there's a lot of SEC snaps under that belt going in, in the transfer portal with him to Florida. But it's not – it's not a – it's not going to kill us. The main thing is the depth issue. So now you're going to have Brandon Cunningham, a guy that we were all very high on. Now Brandon's got to kind of step in there. And you got to think at this point, you know, he's he's got an opportunity to get in there and play a lot of snaps. And so that's, you know, you begin to think about, well, some of these guys are leaving. What's an opportunity for somebody else? And, we, again, we talk about an X-Men up mentality, and that all sounds cute in a press conference and, you know, in a pregame meeting. But, you know, the expectation doesn't change, but the execution certainly does. When you, when you were replacing a guy that's got three years of SEC starting experience under his belt with a kid that hadn't played a snap, there's going to be some growing pains. So, again, it's not a game changer, but it's not something you look at and say, ah, no big deal. No, it's, it's still something worth noting for sure. But all those things happened, and there wasn't a lot of all this angst with all of that. And so, again, we'll kind of see what happens. And uh, which brings me you know, to uh, today's top ten list, a little bit different today. Brought to you by Hawthorne.co. Hawthorne.co, they're going to make sure you like the way you smell. Had a chance to share some information about Hawthorne uh, over the weekend, as a matter of fact. Some people asking me about that. You know, uh, you're going to love it. You know, Jasper O'Quinn, former Mississippi State player, Jasper O'Quinn, just today, was commenting on Facebook and says, hey, talking to you young guys, invest a little money in your cologne. Don't buy cheap cologne. Cheap cologne number one, doesn't last, for one. It doesn't last. You can spray it, you, sound, you smell good getting out of the bathroom, and then out of the bedroom, next thing you know, you get in your car, by the time you get somewhere, you almost got to reapply. Get good sense, get stuff that's going to be lasting. And that's what you're going to get at Hawthorne.co. Trust Jasper O'Quinn. Jasper, great guy, came here in Mississippi State. Man, I think we had three corners. Jasper played through all kinds of injuries. And Jasper out there giving fashion and, uh, and, and cologne advice to people. But visit Hawthorne.co because I told Jasper, hey, you need to check this out. You're a cologne guy. Go check these guys out. Hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Take the quiz. Fill out your preferences. They'll match you up with the cologne and other products that fit your preferences. And then you can buy them, and I'll send them to you. And you're not going to regret it. This is the best cologne I have ever had, 100%. When these when they reached out to me, I have people that handle ads for me and said, hey, listen, Hawthorne wants to re-up with you for the rest of the year. I said, let's absolutely do it. Let's absolutely do it because I believe in what they're doing. And I've got other people that are – there's people lined up wanting to take their place. I'm not trying to be like it was with Vsporto when I've got five and six ad reads in a show. I'm trying to kind of limit it to three, maybe four. But I believe in Hawthorne.co because, again, I would just replace him as an advertiser if I didn't. Doing you a favor. Hawthorne.co, use promo code BONEYARD, save yourself a little cash in that first purchase. So let's get a top ten list. And I thought on my drive home today I got to thinking, number one – 
what do I want to do a top 10 list about? And I get so many people, it, it, it keeps sending them. Oh, there's some people that say, hey, Steve, sorry. And even if I don't get to your list today, I will get, get to it. But I was thinking what I wanted to do. And uh, I've got a little helper out there that consistently sends me ideas for top 10. Hey, what, what if you did this? What if you did that? What if you talk about Motley Crue, which I could talk about Crue every day. I think I'm probably Crue's biggest fan in the state of Mississippi. Not going to do Motley Crue today, though. I'm going to talk about transfers. Top 10 transfers to Mississippi State athletic programs that I can remember. And I kind of put this together on the way back. So I'm confident now that I have missed somebody. I'm confident that I've missed somebody. And you may, you may disagree and say, Steve, how, you're such a bonehead. How could you miss this? How could you miss this guy? And you know what? Go ahead and tweet me and let me know. All right? And I'll give you your shout-out. But here's the top ten transfers that I, that I recall and that I have researched. Okay? Again, and again, my list is right. Your list is wrong. But I am always confident there will be at least one person that you're going you're to tweet me and say, Steve. I'll be like, man, i got to forget him. There are a few names I want to mention that, that didn't make the list. And uh, there are going to be a lot more transfers. Mississippi State has not been a big football trans- transfer destination over the years. But as the grad transfer thing has kind of picked up and the transfer portal is what it is, you're going to see more kids transferring. You are. I still think the grad transfer thing is one of the best things that ever happened. But here's some guys that didn't make uh, my list. Isaiah Zuber didn't make the list. Had high hopes for him. Never really materialized. We barely even got to interview that kid when he was here. I barely even remember him being here. Uh, Tommy Stevens. We interviewed him a lot. And then he ends up being uh, drafted as a quarterback by the New Orleans Saints. Quarterback slash deal. But it's still, nevertheless, it's another Mississippi State quarterback drafted. We hadn't had a whole lot of those. Mississippi State's first grad transfer that I remember, I believe this was our first one, Brandon May from Clemson. Didn't work out the way we had hoped, but he came back here and he played and uh, was a good guy. Provided some depth at linebacker. Cole Smith, not on the list yet. These are guys that I hope will be on this list in the next couple years. A couple transfers I'm excited about. Cole Smith being one of those guys. I think he's probably your future center. And then K.J. Costello. All right, so we'll revisit this year, this list, maybe a year from now, and maybe we'll have Cole Smith and KJ in our top ten. So, again, this is my top ten list. Your top ten list may differ. Your top ten list would be incorrect. Number ten on my list, former Louisville Slugger All-American Mark Goforth, transferred to Mississippi State Baseball, from Birmingham Southern when they had some changes there and they begin to disband their program. So Mark comes here. Uh, and here's one of the – Mark Goforth wasn't a great offensive player. He was a great defensive player, could run anything down in the gaps. But uh, I remember him beating Ole Miss, and uh, after the game was over, they flipped him the, the game ball. I don't remember who recorded the last out, but they gave Goforth the last ball. And you may recall there was all this – you know, there was this, this, these articles out there that Goforth had committed to Ole Miss when, in fact, he had not committed to Ole Miss. There were no quotes in the article. And then, like, the very next day, we announced he's going to Mississippi State. And this is another one of those things, you know, that pops up every now and again. Number nine on my list, another in-state baseball transfer. This is going back just a little bit. 
Cliff Wren transferred after being an all-conference player at Southern Miss, transferred to Mississippi State, had a good run here at State. Matter of fact, hit a home run uh, to beat Southern Miss uh, in 99. Cliff Wren's a guy that, uh, you know, listen, came in here and swung a good bat for Mississippi State. It's a great get Greenville, Mississippi native. Wherever you are, Cliff, hope you're doing well. Number eight, another baseball transfer, and I promise you they're not all baseball transfers, even though uh, a lot of them are. We're a baseball school transfer. We, you know, we are a national power in baseball. And so when kids have the opportunity to transfer to a place like Mississippi State, they're going to do it. Number eight on the list, we want to talk about transfers that uh, got the dander up a little bit. Here's one of them. Chris Lauderhouse transfers from Ole Miss to Mississippi State. Matter of fact, Chris hit a home run in the 98 regional at College Station, Texas, in the regional final to send the Bulldogs to Omaha. Chris Lauderhouse's dad, George, played defensive end at Ole Miss under Johnny Vaughn. That kid grew up going to Ole Miss games his entire life. Signed at Ole Miss, was there. Not, not even sure of all the details about why he elected to leave. Chris is an Ole Miss kid that went to Mississippi State and ended up going to Omaha. Probably the only way that one of those kids can go to Omaha is to go to Mississippi State. Number seven on the list, we're going to go back even farther. Dave Marlar. We talked about Dave. Dave's gotten some airtime on this show. Talked about Dave a few days ago. We were talking about the uh, the passing numbers, the passing records of Mississippi State. Dave Marlar transferred to Mississippi State from Mississippi College. How about that? Transfers in. Becomes one of the most prolific passers. Plays several – and one of the last quarterbacks drafted in the 79 draft by the Buffalo Bills. But he ends up playing in the CFL, played for the Grey Cup. Dave Marler, one of the most prolific passers in Mississippi State history, got his college start at MC and then ends up here at Mississippi State. Number six on the list, and we're going to be basketball heavy here down the stretch, okay? Number six on the list, Andrew Howard. That's right. That's right. Number six. Came in here, was part of a team, won the SEC Tournament Championship. You know, helped us do some big things. We didn't quite get to where we wanted to get. We, we were one outside shooter short of being able to, to beat Oregon. Oregon just had our number. They were a better team. They were a little bit better on the perimeter than we were. But Andrew Howard comes in as a grad transfer, captures our hearts, and made Mississippi State one of the toughest – Toughest rebounding teams in the country. When you've got her and Tierra McCowan out there, it's difficult. Very, very difficult. And Rio still, still in Starkville now. Sticking women's basketball, number five, I'm going Jordan Danbury. And I, one of the reasons I picked Jordan over Andrea is Jordan was here a lot longer. Jordan played for a national championship. And you know what? That national championship game against Notre Dame, when we made the run to kind of go ahead and look like we were putting them away, Jordan Danbury was kind of a defensive stopper. Jordan was out there doing big things for Mississippi State. Matter of fact, I saw Jordan Danbury uh, earlier this week in Walmart, and uh, it's crazy running her just in passing. She's kind of in limbo, just kind of waiting to go play overseas. Not sure where she's going, not sure what options she's going to have, but she knows that she's just going to go play overseas. And so – with all of this COVID-19 stuff, everything is just kind of on hold for them, too. So she's just kind of hanging out in Starville waiting on some phone calls. Jordan Danbury, a bulldog through and through, despite the fact that she should have came here from Arkansas. Number four on the list, 
and I don't know how we could not name this individual. Some of you guys know him as a coach or AD. When I first met him, he was outfielder John Cohen, who also transferred in from Birmingham Southern, was part of the 1989 Diamond Dog team, considered by many to be the greatest Mississippi State baseball team of all time. Came back in 1990, was part of a team that went to Omaha. Stays on, comes, you know, comes back to Mississippi State, wins an SEC championship as a coach. Pretty significant deal there. You might could argue, you might could lobby that, uh, you know, when you look at the totality of Cohen's resume, they say, you know what, maybe he's the most important transfer we've ever had because he ended up being an athletic director here. Ended up getting the baseball stadium finished. Number three on the list, we're going back to football here, Daniel Boyd. Daniel Boyd transferred to Mississippi State from Minnesota, became a two-time All-SEC player, one of the toughest linebackers to ever play at Mississippi State University, Daniel Boyd. Now he's a doctor. How about that? He used to crack skulls. Now he repairs them. I think he's an orthopedic surgeon now. Daniel, wherever you are, man, congratulations. Thanks for your contributions to Mississippi State. These last two, I think, are no-brainers. Number two on the list, Shane Power. The blonde bomber comes in from Iowa State. I think he had one dunk in his career here at Mississippi State. You all know what I'm talking about. Shane Power, part of an SEC championship team, came in, made Mississippi State a lot better. I mean, we were a lot better with our spacing on the floor because you had him out there. You knew what you had to win some Frazier. You knew what you had with Timmy Bowers and Shane Power brought in a completely different dynamic to things. Really kept people from sagging in the post because the number one guy on my list, the, the, I think the greatest transfer of any sport, Lawrence Roberts. Lawrence Roberts comes in from Baylor under some incredible circumstances, comes here to Mississippi State, finds a home, SEC player of the year. Mississippi State wins an SEC championship in 2004. He was a big part of all of that. And it's just one of those things when you look back and you begin to think that those couple of years were some of our best years of the Stansberry era. And what would we have been had Lawrence Roberts not elected to come to Starkville? Lawrence Roberts the number one transfer of all time. I want to remind you, our good friends at Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show, really loved them, man. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody involved up there. Absolutely great people. They'll take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Simple as that. You can go in and shop around now, but maybe if you're not comfortable doing that, maybe you don't say, you know what, Steve, I don't, you know, just not quite ready for that. And that's cool, too. You can shop online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Absolutely incomplete. You know, I don't want to be caught up in one of those things where it seems like every time I turn around, we're talking about something else we're missing out on. But, you know, this weekend would have been the SEC Tournament Championship weekend. You know, today we would be finding out if Mississippi State was hosting a regional. You know, the host sites, I guess, would have been announced yesterday or Saturday. You know how it is. The days all run together. Uh, but, you know, we would have found out this weekend. And uh, I saw D1 Baseball put out their, their uh, projections. They, they projected State to be a host seed, to be number 16. 
quite frankly, I think it's a little bit low. But I, you know, I won't judge it. I mean, it's one of those things too. You don't watch everybody play, but you know, I begin to think to myself, you know, what happens, you know, if we continue to play this year? Because we listen, we we all knew how we felt about Texas Tech, right? We all knew after that midweek deal there in Biloxi against Texas Tech, you know, we they were highly ranked, and we really proved to be the better team. In all facets, we pitched it better, we hit it better, played good defense, and it just kind of felt like we were finding our groove with Arkansas coming in. Arkansas was reeling a little bit. Very talented Arkansas team. And so then all of a sudden, if you're able to get that series and then Arkansas can run some interference for you, I think, you know, I think you figure some things out. The fact, though, that Mississippi State was still projected to be a host seed, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, I look at and begin to ask myself, you know, how good could we have been with J.T. Ginn? Because that's what everybody's thinking. J.T. Ginn had already been shut down, and they still had us hosting a regional. One of the things that I have learned in recent days is J.T. Ginn might still be a Bulldog. And it's all going to boil down to what happens in the draft. Comes up here, what's 10th and 11th, I guess, June 10th and 11th. We won't have to wait much longer. I had somebody reach out to me, and so they heard that JT was considering pulling out of the draft. Now, I have confirmed that that's not really true. But there is a lot of question about is he going to get drafted high enough to get him to come on back? Because, listen, this is, I mean, to get him to go pro, this is a business. Okay, so let's say, for an example, JT turned down an awful lot of money to come to Mississippi State. Now, so if, if you're a general manager, you begin to think, okay, yeah, he's had the arm issues, but it looks like that's behind him because what I understand is that his rehab is actually a little bit ahead of schedule. A little bit ahead of schedule. And so now I think they're looking at him and saying, you know what, we might be able to get JT Ginn, who might be a top 15 pick next year. Maybe we get him this year at a discount. Because I don't know that anybody's going to take him that high. I think it'll be a back-end first round. I think some people will take him late. And then he'll have a decision to make. But the good thing is, is I think JT and his family are in a situation where they see the game kind of for what it is. They understand that, you know what, we've got this extra year of eligibility to play with. He's only got one year on its clock. He could play two more years. And let's say next year, let's say maybe he's not 100% and ready to pitch on a weekend yet. You know, I don't know if you know, most people don't know this, JT Ginn, was an outstanding shortstop and hitter in Brandon. Some people, he wasn't necessarily recruited to pitch. That's where he could get on the field. So let's say maybe next year that JT Ginn DHs some. Maybe he doesn't play every day defensively. Maybe he plays a little bit. And maybe he pitches a little bit, maybe in the midweek. Maybe he doesn't start. Maybe he does some middle relief. Maybe he does some closing. And then all of a sudden they say, okay, well, next year perhaps – he gets drafted again because he's draft eligible still. And then let's say he decides, you know what, I'm going to go back for one more year because I've got two years of eligibility remaining. So I've got leverage there. And then maybe he comes back here and then retakes his spot on the weekend. And now all of a sudden you begin to look at this thing and think, all right, this whole JT Ginn thing might work out better than we had hoped. So if you see JT go – in the back end of the first round, don't automatically assume that he's gone. 
There will be a lot of people out there that don't know anything about his situation that will tell you, well, he's, he's not going to take another chance. I'm telling you, JT Ginn and his family are leaving every option open at this point. That includes coming back to Mississippi State. Now, if he goes you know, top 20 and he gets money comparable to what he had before, he's going to go. Okay, I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying that he's going to go if that's the case. But I don't think just because he gets a second bite at the apple that he's going to go just to go. Not when he's still got three years of eligibility remaining. We haven't seen the best of JT Ginn at Mississippi State. I mean, people forget this. JT Ginn went to Omaha, Nebraska and took one of the most prolific offensive teams in college baseball that was loaded and basically one hit them. Basically one hit them and left the game and should have gotten the win. And let's be fair, you know, Lee Bolt and Cole were pitching on fumes, but if we play a little defense behind them where it would probably get out of that game. But JT Ginn showed everybody on the biggest stage of college baseball, despite the fact that he was less than 100%, that he's still pretty good. Even his 70% is good enough to go one-hit Louisville and get Mississippi State in a position to win a game at the College World Series. And so let's show a little patience here and begin to think, okay, well, what happens if he comes back next year and that gives you another stick and perhaps, you know, a guy that can pitch a little bit? Because, listen, you know, he's, we've learned from experience it takes at least 12 months and sometimes longer uh, to come back from arm surgery. It does. And so but let's give him some time there because he has that available to him, and he is a little bit older. That's why he's draft eligible right now. But I could see a situation where some people say, you know what, we'll throw a pick at JT again. Maybe it's a comp pick, but uh, and then him not signing. So don't just assume all doom and gloom. I think based on the information that I have right now, I think the only surefire guys that are gone are Tanner Allen, pardon me, Jordan Westberg, and Justin Foscue. Tanner Allen, I think, is the X factor in this whole thing. I think, honestly, I think JT Ginn, I don't, if he – if he doesn't get the money he's looking for, I think he's back. I think he comes back. And I didn't feel that way a week ago. I absolutely did not feel that way a week ago. I'd heard some rumors, and then I went to some, some people, let's just say close to the situation. And I asked him point blank. I said, listen, what's going to happen? with the, If this happens, then what happens? And the consensus opinion is, is that he is in a better situation than people realize. There are a lot of people that think that JT Ginn is thinking, well, if I get drafted this time, I better take it. That's not the mindset that they have from what I'm told. What I'm told is they see that it is JT Ginn's market. You know what? If, so if he doesn't get what he wants, he comes back. And I think there's a part of JT Ginn too, because, I, you know, listen, let's be honest, Mississippi State folks. We haven't seen the best of JT again. We haven't. And I think, there's, I think that is a driving factor for JT. Is it he, he got up here and pitched pretty well, you know, for a couple months. People forget he was still the what, national freshman of the year when D1 baseball. And he was banged up the entire year. You know, it got worse and worse and worse. So, you know, Tennessee weekend's the last time that we actually saw him do much of anything until we went to Omaha. And so what would we do – with a healthy JT Ginn. What would that do to his draft stock? What would that do to us as a program 
if all of a sudden JT again rounds himself back into a weekend starter, and in the meantime, he can kind of be a spot guy for us and put another bat in the lineup. Because, listen, we're going to need some people to step up offensively next year. JT again was you know, a big-time hitter. So don't assume anything about JT again just yet. And then you begin to think about this. You got you know, Bednar. You got Christian McLeod coming back. And Bednar will be draft eligible next year, but that's something you have to consider. But, you know, we've got – and listen, he had the big start, uh, you know, out there on the West Coast at Long Beach State. You know, and you begin to look at these guys and you begin to think, you know, we have got some interesting pieces coming back. And if somehow we can find a role for JT Ginn, now all of a sudden you begin to think to yourself, wait a minute, Bulldogs are in pretty good shape. Not to mention that a lot of the other power arms in the SEC this year that are draft eligible are going to go. They're, the ace of the of the world, he won't be back. <laughs> He's not coming back. And so when you start looking, and, and we'll, we'll do this on the show after the draft, we'll look at who in the SEC, uh, who's losing who. And, there, and a lot of people are saying, well, you know, we're going to get everybody back. But they're not. They think they are, but they're not. The draft, the five-round draft is going to be very impactful. It's not going to be a high school-heavy draft. That's what all the experts are telling me. This Because of the fact that it's an abbreviated draft, it's not going to be a high school-rich draft. And there's going to be a lot of high school guys taking that first round. But because of the fact that um, you know, you're not going to have you know, 30 round, 35 rounds of draft, you know, you got to go get people to comply. They're going to eliminate some minor league teams. They're going to kind of, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot less people playing pro baseball going forward. They'll give some guys some time to develop, but it's not going to be like it was where you just kind of hang around the minor leagues forever and a day and take a check and then avoid go getting a real job. I mean, it's going to be a different day and time in college baseball and minor league baseball. But don't be surprised when the draft, when all the dust settles, when it comes to returning players at Mississippi State, that you only lose a couple guys. I think we all feel pretty confident they're going to go. Well, Tanner Allen, of course, we'll see what happens with him. I think if Josh Hatcher goes, he's certainly going to go. I don't know that Josh is going to get drafted in a five-round draft. It'd be a little different deal. But uh, I'm excited about the future, and I think all these guys too. I mean, listen, if we have a regular draft, Josh Hatcher, Rowdy Jordan probably drafted, you know, Josh probably goes seven, eight, nine rounds. Rowdy probably goes 16, 17 in signs, you know. So now you get another bite of the apple with those guys. you got to feel good about that. So, again, happy to get back with you guys, happy to have another show. Me and the Diet Mountain Dew kind of made it through. Got a lot of things i got to do to get ready. I'm writing on the book every day this week, uh, trying to get that done. My goal is to have, uh, have the rough draft and everything turned in for edits by, by May 31st. And I, I'm one of those kind of people, once I commit to it, i got to do it. So, I only got a handful of chapters left to finish up, and then we'll turn that in. We'll, and then next month, we're going to grab pictures and work on edits, and we're going to push the book off the print, guys. And you can get books at startvillainsthebook.com. I have got a message just yesterday from a Boneyard listener that just finished up Flim Flam. And uh, it means so much to me. It really does. It really, really does. And people reach out and say, hey, Steve, just finished this book. This is my favorite chapter and really enjoyed it. Uh, it some, every time that I have had you know, these moments where I get a little bit frazzled, it seems like every time I get a message or a text or something some, something like that, somebody shows up, and it reminds me that I'm doing something of value for other people. So that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Wednesday. Looking forward to being back. But until then, 
let's all live our lives in a way we will make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.